Hey, hey, welcome back everyone to another broadcast in the trenches. I'm your host, Tom Workus, and today I sit down with David McKnight, who's the founder of McKnight Image Lab and the author of The Zen of Executive Presence. David is an image consultant and professional coach who specializes in helping ambitious and busy professionals craft and leverage their personal image and brand to generate wealth, success, and confidence. And I brought David on the call today to talk about those things, and specifically, where style and leadership intersect. David's career as a management consultant began after completing his MS in public policy and management from Carnegie Mellon University. He began image consulting in 2006 while working full-time as a consultant, but he eventually left that career to pursue his passion for image, style, and personal development in 2018. As a certified image consultant and professional coach, David helps executives and entrepreneurs unlock the power of their personal image and style to achieve their desires and goals. To put it simply, he teaches them how to leverage their appearance and presence to get promotions, grow their business, or to be more confident in social settings. And in today's conversation, we dive headlong into the subject. And my big takeaway is that image is bigger than fashion or style. And that yes, what you wear matters to a degree, but it's really everything taken together, not just what you're wearing, not just how you show up, but how you speak how you act, how you engage. And we cover kind of the gamut in today's conversation, as well as some great takeaways from reader asked questions about, say, how to look good on virtual calls when you're doing things like Skype and online conference calls and things like that. You know, being in this, this brave new world that we're in where a lot of people are going digital and, and by force of the environment now, having to do calls online, doing a lot more video and audio calls, how that impacts what we're doing. So so I think this conversation is really prescient and really appropriate for our times. So I'm going to leave it at that. I think there's a lot you can take away from this. And if you do enjoy it, please do me a favor, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Just go to tomworkus.com slash iTunes. Thank you in advance for your support. And now, without further ado, let's get to today's call. So David, Let's go back a little bit before we get into executive presence, the book and and the idea itself. Where did this all begin for you? Uh, How did you get into this line of work? It doesn't seem like a typical career trajectory. Yeah, uh, I I think that's a great question, Tom. Uh, So I started my career as a consultant, and uh, consulting for me was was just such a great uh, career move because um, it really introduced me to many different industries. I got to travel the world um, and, of course, the country and just really work with different companies and different leaders and, and understand and see how different organizations and cultures work. And I really enjoyed it. But about 10 years into my career, I felt like something was missing. Even though I loved my work and I loved working with clients, I felt like something was missing and I, I wanted to have a little more fun with what I was doing. And so. Um, I've always had this interest in style and fashion. And so I decided to actually move to New York because I was living in Chicago at the time. That's where I started my career. And I started taking classes at FIT. I took classes um, in evenings and on the weekends when I wasn't traveling. And after about one or two classes, I said, you know, I'm going to start working with clients. And so I hung up my shingle, so to speak, and started working with clients. Um, part-time. And one thing led to another. And eventually, I had this really nice roster of clients. And I was working during New York Fashion Week. 
and it was great. And that that thing that was missing was now starting to be fulfilled. So working mostly kind of with fashion-oriented clients and editorial shoots, um, it was great. But then I realized that I wanted to, at that point, start to, start to bring more my corporate background and my consulting background into the mix. And so I transitioned from being a stylist that really focused just on appearance or clothes to an image consultant. And so an image consultant is very different from a stylist. And a lot of people aren't really very clear on the nuance between the two. But a stylist is, again, really focused on helping someone to look good for a moment. That moment could be an event, it could be a photo shoot. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to work more so with corporate professionals to help them really understand how they can use their style or their appearance. Um, I call it as a strategic lever. So it's a lever that they can use to help accelerate their, their career, to get that next promotion, to get that job. And so that's ultimately where I landed. And that's what I'm doing today. Um, but apart from the image consulting, I'm also now working with clients um, from an executive coaching capacity. And so I work with a lot of emerging or rising executives as well as some C executives. But I would say my sweet spot are those who are on the cusp of getting to that top tier level of organizations. Well, let's talk about that for a second then. How style, fashion, however you're going to properly articulate it and define it for us, because I'll, I'll garble it up and I'll, I'll mix and match it. But how does this tie into... Well, and again, this will maybe tie into your book a little bit, The Zen of Executive Presence. But how does that all work? Because I think we all kind of... Anybody listening to this will agree. You know, there's, there's a certain vibe that maybe somebody can give off with how they dress. But I don't know how much of that we really take into account when we're going about our day-to-day business or in, in business or in life and work um, in, in that regard, like take it as seriously as we take, say, like other, other forms of professional development. So give me your insights into this and why, like also and why, why that might have led to you writing the book in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that appearance is so very important and a lot of people tend to want to brush it to the side to say oh it's not that important or oh my resume is more important and my credentials and where i went to school those things are absolutely important and i would say if you are a professional then to make some assumptions i'm going to assume that you at least went to college and these days it's actually not um, it's becoming less and less of a requirement, actually. But I'm assuming that you went to college, you so you have a decent educational background. Um, if you're working at a particular organization, then obviously you were qualified to get into that organization. And so, yes, those things are absolutely paramount. But when you look at a group of people with very similar educational background, similar experience, um, and similar upbringing in, in some instances, you start to have to look at what are some of the things that differentiate these people from each other. And so appearance can be one of those levers that you can kind of use to help to differentiate yourself. And I'm not talking about it from a superficial perspective, because if you think about it, we're actually hardwired as human beings 
to look at people and make judgments about them before we could even speak, before we, we could talk and write. Um, we evaluated people based on how they look, based on their body language, based on their facial expressions. And so we're almost like hardwired to judge people. And so it's important to be aware of this. And then it's also very important to be able to understand how you can control it, how you can use it to intentionally convey certain messages or to influence people. And so I really like to focus on the psychology aspect of it versus um, helping clients to understand what's hot, what's trendy, or, or what have you. I mean, there are other people who can help you understand those elements of, of style and appearance. But I really like to focus on what message is the client trying to communicate and how can we use their clothing and their appearance to support those, those messages. Well, yeah, it makes me think too, like in your, in your book, you quoted, I think at this, you have this graph from Dr. Albert Morabian, and he suggested that physical appearance counts for 55% of a first impression. The content of your speech, what you, what, the content of your speech, what you actually say when meeting someone represents just 7% of the first impression. You know, it's interesting because when I, I look at that, I'm like, that reminds me of like, kind of like websites and digital marketing because, you know, being that that's more my domain, mm -hmm. when I think about that, I'm like, you know, you only have a few seconds when somebody lands on a page to, and you've already, you've already given a first impression. And so we know that exists in real life too. And we also know that you're kind of constantly giving off an impression too with what you do and how you act and, and, and again, dress and, and how you, uh, that being a big part of it. So zoom in for the, on this part though, because you mentioned some of that, I think will hook a lot of people. It's like, it's not about like necessarily like what's the hottest fashion trend right now, but how do we present maybe a, how do we, how do we package ourselves and present ourselves, our, our personal brand? So can you take us into that a little bit um, and how we should think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, as you know, light travels faster than sound. And so people see you before they can hear you. And we're constantly communicating and we're telling a visual story to others um, without saying a word. If you think about it, you can walk into a room and again, without saying a word, people have made some assumptions about you. They could be right or they could be wrong, but it is what it is. And, and they have made some assumptions about you based on the story that you are telling. And again, it can be intentional or unintentional. And so I like to really raise people's awareness around um, how to use their image and their style intentionally. Because your appearance can actually signal confidence, it can signal credibility, and it can signal that you are capable. And these are the types of messages that a lot of the clients that I work with are looking to signal. And so I teach them and I break down what um, clothing means, um, what colors um, convey, what messages. And by the end of working with me after a few sessions, they feel much more empowered because they don't look at clothing any longer as just something to throw on their body to cover up, but they look at it as really a part of a toolkit, a toolkit as a professional in order to um, develop and kind of communicate their personal brand. 
again, to stand out from others. And so I think it's really important to, um, again, not just focus on what's, what's hot and what's trendy, but thinking about how you can leverage it. Because I'll say one more thing about um, appearance and style. It can actually widen or narrow the gap between ourselves and our audience. And so if you, let's say you're a consultant, because I, I used to work in consulting for a very long time. And if I walked into a client and first of all, I didn't look the part of a consultant and I didn't look like I fit into that particular organization or what have you, people are going to be confused. They're going to doubt my capabilities and they're also going to wonder why I'm there. And so we can use our appearance to narrow some of the gaps um, because I'm sure many of you have probably heard of people who are really smart and talented, but they didn't get that, that promotion or they didn't get that job because they quote unquote didn't look the part. And so again, it's really important to just be aware of the perceptions and to control it because a lot of things we can't control when it comes to our image. Um, we can't control where we were born, we can't control our height, our race, our nationality, but we can always control how we show up and how we appear to others. Are there any, before we move on to some other, or assert some other subjects too on this that are, that are tangentially related, I want to ask one thing though, because I love to get specific on this kind of stuff, where possible. Mm-hmm. And I know so much of this comes down to nuance and context. But are there any examples you could give us of things that, and, and I could use the wrong word here interchangeably, mm-hmm. but then things that might like raise your status in a certain context and or, or signal higher status or signal capability or confidence or like leadership. And, and conversely, what you could do that would signal whatever the opposite of that is. I guess like you're... Because I, I assume then if you can signal, say, confidence and leadership, like if you can, if you can signal for those things or exude those things, that this, the opposite is, is the case. Like there could be things that you're doing unintentionally that signal this person is not a leader. I don't know if there's anything like that that comes to mind mm-hmm. or that you think of that might even be obvious ones. Um, but I'm kind of curious what your take is on that, if there's any specifics that come to mind. Yeah. Um, first of all, as I'm sure you know, um, the dress codes and what people wear to work is changing. So... Back in the 90s and the 80s, and even in the early 2000s, it was almost expected um, that people would wear, um, men in particular, um, and then I'll talk about women, were expected to wear suits to work. But a lot of those rules have really gone away. They've dissipated. And so people are now confused about what to wear and how can others view me as a leader or view me as an executive if I'm not wearing a suit and tie? Well, there are things to focus on and to be aware of. For example, the fit of your garments, the construction of your garments, the quality, and the details. And so men, historically, they have been a little more focused on details when it comes to a lot of their suits. Um, So the whole bespoke movement and the custom tailoring uh, movement have become has become really, really popular here in the U.S., I would say, over the past 15 or so years. Um, in fact, one of my very first image consulting clients was a brand new men's bespoke company that wanted to work with me. 
so that I can teach their um, sales consultants how to help clients select fabrics and textures and colors that were right for their particular body type or, or what have you. And so men have um, had a lot more exposure to selecting details and focusing on those finer elements and qualities of garments um, because women, less so, much less so, they weren't as focused on some of those details, but you're now seeing women pay more attention to those details. There's a number of women's bespoke um, companies that are starting to crop up. And so this idea of really focusing on, again, details, fit, construction, quality, that I think really helps to distinguish someone as being more of a senior person versus someone who's junior. Um, if I can just share maybe a couple of yeah. very, to your point, tactical and practical tips that people can think about um, as they're looking to elevate their appearance and be perceived as more of a leader, I will share that the jacket or the sport coat is the most powerful item in your wardrobe. Just think about it. You can have on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, but the moment you throw on a blazer or a sport coat, it immediately elevates the look. I discovered that like two years ago. So I'm a late adopter <laughs> to this, but I completely agree. Yeah, and it's it's so easy. And even if you're... So nowadays, we are obviously spending a lot more time at home and we're also on a lot of video calls and Zoom calls. If you do want to elevate your appearance, you don't have to wear a full suit or anything like that, but you can even be in a, a t-shirt or a short sleeve shirt with a collar and just throw in a blazer for that one hour or, or what have you. So it's the easiest thing to elevate your appearance. And this is great for junior resources to know. And, and so it's, again, it's really simple. You just, uh, I would say at least two in your wardrobe, two that are universal, two that are, um, um, kind of all seasoned and, and two in neutral colors. And then that's really all you need. Um, I would say the other thing, another tip that I want people to be aware of, again, especially nowadays, is what I call the triangle of power. And so it's really paying attention to what people see from the shoulders up. So mm. the two shoulders are the base of, of the triangle, your head, um, is the top of the triangle. And so paying more attention to your grooming, your hair, the hair is a whole different topic. I'm not saying you need to dye it. I'm not saying you, but just paying attention and just being aware of how you are perceived, um, your grooming and what you're wearing up top, because that's really what people see. And so I call it the triangle of power. The other thing, and, and this is, um, more so, it could be appropriate and applicable to um, online video calls, but also particularly in the office, a lot of organizations really struggle with um, kind of how to tell their junior resources how to dress. And so a little tip that I tell people, and it's not telling them exactly what to wear, but if you have to make a decision about what to wear each day, then think about dressing to influence the highest ranking person in the room. So you could be going in on a casual Friday 
But if you have a meeting with a partner or a client, then even though it's casual Friday, you're going to want to influence that person that you have that one half hour meeting with or that one one hour meeting with. And so thinking about who am I meeting today and dressing to influence that highest person in the room or, or that you're meeting in the day. Um, and then finally, just be situationally appropriate. You always want to, to, to be familiar and understand the culture, the environment, um, and, and dress accordingly. I mean, people will look at me like I'm crazy if I show up to give a presentation um, at a corporation on image consulting or, or executive presence, and I show up in flip-flops and a t-shirt. It's just not <laughs> situationally appropriate. And I've developed a framework to kind of help people think about that. How does communication then and some of these other these other kind of what you call the four pillars of executive presence? I know we kind of we kind of dove right into one, I think, which with visual storytelling. And I know this covered kind of a um some of the others a little bit. So that's typical with with my line of questioning sometimes. <laughs> so we'll go back and forth a little bit. So take us back to the four pillars of executive presence and where that leads off for us in terms of communication behaviors and then virtual presence. Yeah. So you pretty much just summarize the four pillars of executive presence. Mm -hmm. um, it's the appearance. It's how you communicate. It's how you act and behave. Um, call it etiquette. And then your virtual presence or your virtual brand. From a communication standpoint, it's um, not just what you say, but how you say it. And I think you kind of touched on this when you mentioned Dr. Moravian's study. So how you say something is so very important, especially today, where a lot of managers and a few of my clients, I've had to coach them on how to deliver difficult messages to their teams or to their organizations. And so when you're delivering a difficult message, you need to pay extra attention to the tone of the delivery, the language that you're choosing. And you also want to inject a little more empathy and compassion. And communication nowadays, I mean, it's, well, it's always been extremely important. I mean, everything is communication. Even again, you're, what you wear, it's communicating. But I feel like given that we are all working remotely and we're all working from home these days, and I know that's slowly changing, but we're now missing an element of rapport building um, in little moments that we would have in the office to, to really build relationships and rapport. Like, for example, the water cooler talk and just kind of chatting in the coffee pantry or going out to lunch or happy hour. We're missing those little rapport building moments. And so we have to pay extra attention to how we communicate Again, particularly on conference calls, because that's really how most of us are communicating these days with our clients and with colleagues at work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just the, the whole verbal communication is, is critical. But of course, the nonverbal as well. And so um, I advise my clients to really be clear on their messaging when they're communicating be succinct, um, practicing the power of the pause, 
Also reducing how quickly and how often you nod your head. These are all things that can really elevate your um, your executive presence and being perceived as a leader um, from a communication perspective. It's like slow it down a little bit. It kind of sounds like maybe a little bit. Yeah, definitely. In fact, if you think about it, I think some of the people and examples of those that exhibit high levels of executive presence, they tend to speak slower and clearer. They're very intentional with their diction and and the tone. They pay very close attention to it. Um, So for example, um, and I don't want to make this a political discussion, but um, Obama, I think he exhibits excellent um, executive presence and his tone, his pace is is just very, I don't want to say slow <laughs> because it's not, but it's, he, there's no yelling. It's very even keel. It, it, there's a level of comfort that you get and that you sense when you listen to him speak. And so, yeah, slowing it down and, and just um, paying also attention to, to how people feel. And so, Empathy is is really important. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think a lot of th- these things, it starts off sounding like it's going to be a superficial, like a conversation about s- what's superficial and almost maybe even uh, self centered, right? But when it comes down to this, your your four pillars, every single one of them, is based on like the people that you're around, the person you're around. You know, it's 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 kind of the opposite in a way. It's not it's not narcissistic. It's kind of inverting it. So you're you're doing all these intentionally doing these things intentionally so that you're you know so that you can provide say the best possible ex- experience for your client or you can lead the best way possible what are your thoughts yeah i think you're you're right um because when it comes to executive presence a lot of people think oh i have it or or, or, or what have you but it's not really about so much what you think it's really about what other people think about you and how you're perceived basically. Um, and so this whole idea of perception is very important. And so we can influence how we are perceived. And so I basically, when working with my clients, break their image, break their executive presence down, and I kind of teach them different ways that they can influence how they are perceived. We, we talked about two ways, and that's the visual, so the appearance, um, communication as well. And then a third area is etiquette. And even though some of these things seem so basic um, and so common, well, we know that what's common sense isn't always common practice. Um, but the other thing is that a lot of people have blind spots around these areas, And so a blind spot is you don't know what you don't know. And and so I really like to educate. And I think I said this earlier, raise my clients' awareness and consciousness of these various aspects and elements of executive presence. Because when I think about executive presence, I really view it as a unique and a fluid combination of characteristics, skills, behaviors, personality traits that really collectively 
motivate and inspire others. And so it's not just this one thing, um, but it's it's a it's complex um, in terms of executive presence and, and how to develop it. In fact, that's why I named my book The Zen of Executive Presence, because in the Buddhist religion, um, you see, you often see images um, of Buddha kind of pointing to the moon or, or what have you. And so essentially, basically what he's communicating is that I can't give you enlightenment, but I can point you in the direction. So I can't give my clients executive presence, but I can explain it. I can break it down right. for them and I can teach them what are the components of it, but it's not something that I can give them. It's like, it's like, reminds me of like boxing or something like that or fighting, like, you know, combat sports, same deal. Like, you know, you can't make somebody a fighter. You can only give them the resources, the training, et cetera, et cetera. And you still have to do the work. I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. With this as well. You know, I got a question from a reader recently, um, probably in the last week or two, who asked a question that I think you'd be the pers- best person to answer it, or it ties in a little bit. And maybe you've had to deal with this particular question or issue or challenge recently. But his question was on the topic of if you're doing more video calls now than you were before, mm-hmm. how, what's the best way, like any tips, tricks, thoughts on how to like, look and be perceived as professional as possible? Um, you already mentioned one, which is maybe just having that sports coat lying nearby, you know, and something to throw on, as in just like, you know, make your appearance a little bit nicer in the video. And I addressed something on a blog post recently with lighting and uh, kind of set up audio. But I'm curious if there's anything else that kind of comes to mind for you uh, or recommendations you would have for somebody who wants to, when they're doing video uh, or audio calls, what they can do, especially given these, our current circumstances. To, 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 to exude that kind of presence, especially if they're uncomfortable. This is not a natural space for them to be in. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I would say, and this is going to be the most basic thing um, ever, but turn the camera on. Because I get onto a lot of calls and I, I just hate when like most people have the camera on, but then you have that small number of people who don't have the, the camera on. Because... When you have the camera on, I mean, it does help with some of those nonverbal communication clues that we talked about. And also you can look people in the eyes, which is which goes a long way from a communication standpoint. And so don't just hide behind uh, your camera. I think it's also important to pay attention to um, the screen aesthetics. So it's what people are seeing, not only in you and on you, but around you. And so um, sometimes people are in places where there's just so much, I call it visual um, clutter and noise. Um, And so I think we need to pay more attention to that. And actually, studies have shown that people are now paying a little more attention to their interior decor, um, at least in relationship to being on camera, because um, a, a lot of times we can see people's homes and there's like blogs that are dedicated to um, things that you see in people's Zoom background uh, and people are paying a lot more attention to that. So it's just, again, something to be aware of. Um, 
You mentioned lighting. Um, I think that's really key. The other pet peeve that I have when it comes to um, being on video is when people just aren't conscious or aware of the fact that they're looking down on their their camera. So they might have a high chair and then they're on a laptop and it's much lower than where it should be. And so they're looking down, talking down, and you're like looking into their nose. Um, I think it's really important to be aware of where our face and our body is positioned in the frame of the camera. So just paying attention to that. Lighting, I mean, I can probably do like a whole call on on some tips um, from a, um, a, a camera perspective. Um, but these are just a few of the things that are coming to mind that um, people should be aware of. You nailed it. I, I didn't even think about a couple of those. I love that though, especially the, the the face and body position. It's something that, you know, I think watching enough people do YouTube and stuff like that, you 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 know, you figure out some of those patterns a little bit. But if you don't do it, if you're not used to it, you just think, oh yeah, turn it on, you're good to go. But it's like, yeah, a couple of minor adjustments make a big difference. So thank you for answering those. I'm gonna make sure that that reader gets. I'm gonna direct him right to this interview for sure. Sure. Um, and you know what? Actually, <laughs> I just want to make a couple of other quick little points um, on this topic. Um, I think that again, and because we are working from home, and many kid, many parents or many people have kids or, or children at home, and so the more we can eliminate the background noise, the better. So, what does that mean? Just invest in a headset. You can get a really good quality headset online, go on Amazon and and buy a headset because it's going to eliminate at least 50%, if not more, depending on the quality of it, um, a lot of that extra background noise, which sometimes we almost can't avoid because we're living with other people. Um, the other thing that could really help is investing in a ring light. Um, again, really inexpensive. You don't have to get a, a super, um, like a movie quality type of ring light, but you can get one um, for about 25 bucks on Amazon and it does the trick. It makes you look more vibrant, youthful. I think you'll feel better about being on camera. And then the final little tip is there's actually a setting in Zoom. And I get that not everyone is on Zoom, but I'm using it a lot in my examples because happens to be what I use. So I'm most familiar with it. There's actually a setting on Zoom where it will um, kind of smooth out your skin and, and maybe reduce a few wrinkles or what have you. It's, it's kind of a, a filter, but not, um, not to the extent of what you see on um, Snapchat or Instagram, but it's a, a, it's a mm. professional filter and it just smooths your skin out that that small amount that really actually makes a difference. So again, just a few more little practical tips that I think the readers can, or your listeners um, can implement. Both, both for sure. So no, this is fantastic. What are, let me, since we're getting kind of the top of the, the hour here and in this conversation, anything else that you think should be addressed here, especially given today's current times? Like I think we, we covered a lot with uh, kind of virtual conferencing and the importance of some of these uh, aspects of executive presence and and how we execute that online or how we kind of exude that online. Anything else that you think is really important right now or things that are popping up do you think that are that are appreciated or topical 
that you think should be addressed, maybe that we haven't covered so far? Um, yeah, I will touch on personal brand or virtual brand. I think now is a great time for people to to really work on their personal brand, especially because we have um, record highs when it comes to employment. And so a lot of people are employed or they are at the risk of being unemployed. And so now more than ever, we really need to think about our personal brand. Um, there are industries that have been harder hit than others. And if you are one of those people who happens to work in the events industry or travel industry or, or airline or what have you, you might have to think about retooling and reinventing yourself. And so I think it's very important for people to be intentional and strategic about their personal brand, whether they want to hone their existing brand or maybe pivot um, their brand. And so um, I do have a structured approach that I kind of walk my clients through when we think about their personal brand. Um, it's basically kind of getting clear on their purpose. What's the purpose of your brand? What? How do you want to be perceived? Things of that nature. And so we we do a lot of like exploring, um, understanding their why. Um, we also develop their platform. So what is it that you want to be known for? What's that overarching kind of platform or theme? And then underneath that platform, we identify three to five pillars that support that platform. And so those are much more specific areas of expertise um, that we kind of work work on. And then how do you pitch that brand. So how do you what's the elevator pitch or speech or what have you as a lot of people call it. But it's not just that elevator speech, but how do you talk about it, um, developing the bio. So how do you pitch your brand? And then finally, how are you promoting your brand? And so um, walking through this process with my clients in a very structured manner really helps them to gain that clarity around their brand because um, literally, actually, just today, um, I kid you not, right before this call, this call, I got a LinkedIn message from a recruiter at McKenzie. And he obviously saw my LinkedIn profile, my background, and he said, hey, we have this role based on your background and, and uh, what I've seen you'd be perfect for. I'd love to just have a conversation with you. And so I'm very, very intentional, very strategic about my brand online. And so I think this is a huge... People have a huge opportunity. And so it's really important to seize this moment to to kind of focus on their brand. And the fastest, easiest way to develop your personal brand is to become an expert position yourself as an expert. And I think we're all experts to some extent. We're all experts in something. And so it's a matter of like really thinking about what is it that you're an expert in and being able to kind of build a brand around it. I love it. David, where can people reach out to find you, learn more about you, connect with you, maybe check out this book? Um, the floor is yours. Where, where should people go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, Tom, thank you for this opportunity. It's always a pleasure to work with you. I've worked with you in the past as my coach. You helped me launch my 
very first virtual summit last year, which was very successful. And so, again, it's always great to connect. Um, and thank you for this platform. Uh, and hopefully, number two is coming up soon. It'll be good timing, right? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of work. Uh, not, <laughs> yeah. Not sure if I have time these days. Uh, I know, I know. But uh, in fact, maybe we can talk later about how I can uh, reuse and leverage some of that content because it's great, great content. Um, but in terms of your question, how people can reach me, um, basically the best way to reach me is through my website. It's mcknightimagelab.com. That's mcknight, M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T, imagelab.com. They can also um, follow me on Instagram, which is mcknightimage. Um, so those are probably the two easiest ways. And if they do go to my website, um, I have this great book. It's called Leading with Style. And um, it's a free book. People can download it and check out my, I believe it's six tips that I provide in that book on how they can elevate their image, elevate their style. And again, not from a fashion perspective, but more from a leadership perspective. That's why it's called Leading with Style. And so I'd love for people to check it out. And then finally, as you mentioned, my book is available on Amazon and it's called The Zen Executive Presence. Awesome. Guys, check it out if you're listening. Uh, well, la- ladies and gentlemen, I would say, yes. because it's not exclusive just to men. I mean, I know those are the examples we're bringing up here and we're talking right. about, but I read the book. I think this is this cross applies to to anyone, wouldn't you say, David? Oh, absolutely. It's it's universal. It crosses gender, it crosses um, nationality, it it crosses everything. I think mm-hmm. people, anyone who picks up this book, will get some value from it. Um, and I I intentionally wrote it that way. Um, I've always wanted to write a smart book about image and style. And so that's kind of what I did. I, I'm pretty proud of it. So Yeah, I love it. No, I highly recommend it. It's a short read. Mm-hmm. It's something you can also go back to and reference. So I highly recommend it. The Zen of Executive Presence. Go check it out. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, Google David McKnight. You'll find him there too. And also head over to his website. Pick up uh, Leading with Style, a great free resource. And we'll have that linked in the show notes. David, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. It was a real pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating review. Just go to tommorcus.com slash iTunes, and that'll take you to iTunes where you can leave a five-star rating review. And that really helps spread the word about this podcast. And finally, if you need help growing your online business or generating new traffic leads and sales at a profit, reach out to me at tom at tommorcus.com or head over to the website tommorcus.com and sign up for the free newsletter. That's it for today. Stay frosty.